It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day, he's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon, friends, fans, and first-time listeners. Welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Today, we have a truly pop culture guest. We have to wrap up a double playoff week, the happenings at the Memorial, and golf's longest day. What a story I have there. So let's go. As you know, you just can't stop The Pro Show. You know, when I hear Anthony Kiedis and the rest of the Chili Peppers, it's like Friday's Philharmonic. I like that. It's awesome. Good to be with you there, Mr. Wade Weezer. We're back at you. Back from down south, where I'm happy to report it was actually cooler there than it is here, or was this week in New Jersey. Yeah, it wasn't pleasant here. Uh, It was not, and... um, we will uh, we'll talk about golf's longest day on Monday in just a couple of minutes, but uh, I want to touch on a, a few subjects before we get to that. First of all, uh, I alluded to this in the opening. We have a really cool guest today in golf, and you know I always say that this this show is about the pop culture of sports with a with a huge golf bias. But we've got a cool guy by the name of Tucker Booth, and Tucker is a musician. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's a rapper. Uh, he is a golf enthusiast, but he's also a golf journalist. And he is out there on the left coast. So he's about three hours behind. He's going to be joining us in just a couple of minutes. And we're going to go through um, a preview for the men's open at Torrey Pines, which he's going to travel down to. He was at the women's open last week in San Francisco. Uh, He may rap for us. Who knows where this conversation will go? He is a free spirit. But the fact that he is so involved in golf is great. And it's the type of things that I love to bring up on this show. I think everybody's going to love them. So I can't wait to get to that. Speaking of loving things, right? Where are we going with this? <laughs> I can tell you this much. It's not going to be a conversation about locusts. All right? Okay, okay. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. But speaking of which, speaking of locusts, there's a guy by the name of West Roach, and he is he's leading. The, he was leading the, the Palmetto Championship down at Congaree, which is this cool golf facility down in South Carolina that picked up for the Canadian Open, which had to be canceled because of all the covid restrictions in Canada. But the PGA Tour is down there in South Carolina in the Palmetto Championship. And after round one, congratulations to West Roach, who shot seven under 64. Uh, Chesson Hadley, Doc Redmond, Dustin Johnson. Yes, Dustin Johnson mm-hmm. showing his head a week before the U.S. Open, all at six under after round one. Uh, Brooks Kepka was at plus one, and, and a little more Brooks news later on in the weekly update. You know, he seems, he and Phil seem to be perennial weekly update fixtures Staples, these yeah. days. Yeah. The the ladies, they traveled extra far. They went, um, I think they said uh, about three miles from the Olympic Club over to the Lake Merced Golf Club. They're still in San Francisco. And they're in the Mediheal Championship. Leona McGuire, 7-under-65, round one. And, you know, all that's going on in golf right now, it was like full-on overload last Sunday night as the Memorial is ending and they go into a playoff between Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay, two of the just greatest young American stars in golf. 
And then the women's U.S. Open goes into a playoff. You have playoffs. You, I mean, you got you got two playoffs happen at the same time on TV on separate channels. I mean, thank goodness for iPads and laptops and, totally. and all this stuff. I mean, it was like sensory overload. I'm taking notes. I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it all in. I'm thinking to myself, you know, how can golf get any better? I mean, you go two weeks back, Phil's winning a major. You go a month and a half back, you have your first Japanese winner ever of you know, the masters. I mean, it's just all this crazy stuff just keeps happening in golf. And it's, it's just in such a great place and I couldn't be happier, but let's get to the real story this week. Okay. Right. You know how I love to tell a good story. So lock and load for this, you know, buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because you know, we're about to get launched into this. So Monday was what they call golf's longest day. And the reason they call it that is that in order to get into the U S open, I mean, this is the most democratic, professional sports opportunity that I that I feel like you could do, right? So if, if you were really good at basketball, Wade, you can't find your way into no. the NBA finals in a month. No, you got to go through right? you, you steps. Yes, you would have to be, you know, a collegiate player and then drafted and go through all these things. Same thing with baseball. Pretty same much thing, every sport. Every sport, but tennis and golf. Tennis has an open system with which, you know, you can go and play and try to qualify. And golf is certainly one of those things where you can do that. And the U.S. Open just happens to be probably the most open opportunity to play against the Dustin Johnsons and Brooks Kepkas and right. Phil Mickelsons of the world. And that opportunity, the second stage of that took place on Monday. And it takes all day because it's a 36-hole qualifier. So take a step back. 9,000 men go and they try and they apply to go play in the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines next week. Of those 9,814 make it through local qualifying, of which there's about 108 sites. Okay. All right. 814 on Monday tried for 66 spots at 10 different locations. Right. The longest day. The longest day. Trust me, it was the longest day because I was there. And we were talking about this last week, and I was down there with you know my player, Will Dixon, who just graduated from Georgia Tech. And... We have 36 holes, and I'm I'm looping for him. And we go play a practice round on Sunday at this place, the Piedmont Driving Club. Fantastic facility. 600 rolling acres. And I, we, we pull in, and it's like to get from the gate to the clubhouse is like a mile. And I'm like, I already don't like this place because I know I got to walk it. I mean, I'm looking for this, like, small northeast property, sure, yeah. you know, where all the fairways are bordering one another. No, 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 no. We pull in. They have, like, a 150-acre lake we got to go around. I'm mm. like, oh, God. That's a pretty walk, though. Yeah, he's like, oh, this place is really big. Cool. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> Loving that. Loving that. You know, yeah. Rookie. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway. So, we show up on Monday morning, and his group, we have a Corn Ferry Tour player, and we have a PGA Tour player. So the PGA Tour player, Sepp Straka, Sepp has earned, I don't know, 900 grand on the PGA Tour this year. He's doing all right He's for nice. himself. He's like 99th in the FedEx Cup. I'll be buying you lunch. Yeah. You pay for lunch, did you? <laughs> well, no, Will bought me lunch, but that's fine. And then our other player is this guy, Rick Lamb. He's Corn Ferry Tour. He's played probably 90 Corn Ferry Tour events. He's won on the Corn Ferry Tour. And uh, he's played maybe another 30 PGA Tour events, All-American from Tennessee. So that's our group. You know, we have Will, Rick, and Sepp, and we tee off around 9 o'clock on the 10th hole in the back nine, and, and we're going to play 36 holes. And, and we go and we get after it. And we go around in the first round, and um, Sepp, three under, Rick, two under, Will, couple over. I think three over. Um, we had a bad triple bogey. 
I mean, mm. it was one of those things where you make one bad swing and then it's like, ever been to jail, boy? You know, I mean, it's like it was unbelievable. <laughs> um, and he looks at me and he's like, he goes, what do you think about this? I was like, I'm trying to think of the best way we can make bogey. You know, I mean, yeah. these, and we have it like nobody's missed a shot all morning. I mean, that's the level of play that we're dealing with here. And um, so it, we, we work our way through that scenario. But if not for that, we would have been around even par and right with those guys. And then we get going in the afternoon and we start on the first hole. We're going to play them in order the traditional way. And as we get going, Sep kind of, you know, meanders about his round. And you could tell by the scoreboard that you, you can get to online. It, it's that. You know, through the first round, people are about five under and they're only taking the top five guys out of 72 players. So if you're at even par, you got to go super deep and you got to get it going quick in the second round. And Will starts off par birdie. uh, I was like par birdie or something like that. So I'm like, all right, well, like, you know, we have a chance to maybe go for one of those alternate spots if we can chalk up a 65 or 64 or something like that. Sep's kind of, you know, losing interest in the round. And Rick, Rick is hot. He's mm-hmm. definitely he's he's cruising along here, right? So we get to the point where now we're about to start the last nine holes. And Sep, he's done with his day. He's on his phone. He is <laughs> he, I mean he I mean the guy, he's a he's a PJ tour player. He's like he's three, got nothing to prove. He's like three under, but he's like five off of the of where he needs to be and, and he's just not feeling it, right? Yeah. And, well, he's definitely got nothing to prove, right? Yeah. And Will at that point is like three or four under on the front nine. And he's like, he's grinding and he's like, man, he goes, I just want to finish this thing super strong and see how close I can get. I'm not going to make it, but I want to see how close I can get. So, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm over there, you know, jockeying this thing and I got the whip going. So I'm like, let's see how many birdies we can make. And, and, uh, you know, for him, it was a huge learning experience because he's playing with two basically PGA tour players and he's hanging with them all day and he hits it further than them. You know, not that that's always the most important thing, but his athleticism and his pure talent rates along with these guys. So he's he's holding his own locked in. Oh, he's definitely he's more than holding his own. And, uh, you know, he had the second lowest round in in the afternoon um, in round two. So we get to this back nine and Rick is he's there. I mean, he is on the number. Right. And it is interesting. Right. (laughs) Uh, Because now we get into that world of golf where it's no longer that he has to think about how he's playing. He's playing great. Right. Right. He has to think about everything else that's going on in the world. Right. And here come like, you know, the, all of the mental demons, right. You know, that, that, and it's the funny thing is, is that, you know, you could see this coming plain as day. Okay. Right. But, You've seen it a million times on TV and you've heard like, you know, oh, this guy's going to choke or this guy's playing well under pressure or whatever. They're, these are the signs of pressure. You know, they stop talking, whatever. Everything's stereotypical you hear. <laughs> Everything. This guy, I mean, he's walking on the other side of the fairway. It's like a no hitter in baseball. And and the five of us, you know, the other two players, his caddy and the other and myself and then Sepp's caddy, we're not we're not going near the guy. No. You know, no, no, no. I mean, he's sitting no, alone no, no. on the bench. So right, exactly. We go through. And he keeps playing well, and he's definitely on the number. So now I'm really kind of into this, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to pull out the phone again, and I'm going to take a look and see where he is. And he's like one off, right? All right, we're on, we're on the 15th hole. Doesn't make birdie. Hits the green 20 feet. Close, but, not, but no cigar. 16, right. great shot, makes birdie. Oh, now we're on the number. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Two to go. 225-yard par three over water, 17th hole, really hard hole. Hits it to about twenty feet, misses the putt by about two inches. Oof. Oh, but we're we're still on the still number. There, okay, we're still there. We and two other guys 
right, are tied for that fifth spot. Wow. So if he just pars out, it's three for one. Three people for one spot to go to the U.S. Open. Yep. All right. Last hole is a par five. Water all the way down the right. Bulkhead around the green. Kind of a peninsula sticks out into the water. Okay. You know, the type of place where all the world's golf demons would populate. Okay. Sure. It's woods down the left, jail, and then you've got... He's staring at you. Yes. You've got, the, you. you've got the coastline on the right, you know, and pops a drive down there. He hits his fairway wood down there, green side, but he is left of the green. And let me just paint the picture for mm-hmm. you. He's sure. left of the green and everything to, forward to him or to his right is all water. Okay. All right. So he's got to pitch out to this pin which is out on the pen- end of the peninsula it's got to be pretty precise well, uh, just a little <laughs> bit there is no background picture an infinity pool right right that's just- okay <laughs> oh man all right so he pitches this thing out to about 12 feet so now we're all we the, the four of us know okay so sep his his caddies his twin brother and then will and i we all know i don't know i i think he has to know that it's pretty important because we had one official with us. We've now got about 10 volunteers, six oh, officials. Wow. I mean, okay. there's like 20 people standing so without around. Without telling him exactly where he's at. No, no one's. Again, no, you don't, don't course, talk no, to no, the, no, right. Exactly. Don't exactly. talk to the pitcher the in the seventh inning. Wow. Yes. The officials are adding right? up. I mean, we, we were we were picking up. You know, it was almost like the Pied Piper. You know, we were like, <laughs> the we further were, you go. the further we went, the more people we kept That's picking up. Really right. Cool. So 12 feet for a chance at immortality on this day at Piedmont Driving Club down there in Atlanta. So Rick's a lefty. The putt breaks a little bit from his left to right, just a little bit, you know? So it's almost like that age-old saying, like, can you hit a straight putt under pressure, not flinch, not do any of these things, right? So Rick steps in, and he was, in his defense, he was a tremendous short game and putter all day. I mean, I get the guys on tour, but some of those guys are at different levels than others of anything, right? He was tremendous putter all day, made a lot of great putts. He rolls the ball up. The ball hits the lip on the left side, dips in, and then it comes out on the right side. Almost does a 270 around the hole and pops out. Now, in thinking about this, we're all standing there on like the bulkhead side. I'm like, I don't know if like we're all going to jump in the water for him or if we're going to like yell, you know, and uh, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I'd give him the Tory Pines line, expect anything different, you know, like when he cans it and we could all like yeah, yeah, celebrate. Yeah. Exhale. So this thing like goes around. It's like, oh, that's oh. man. Right. So, you know, and the look on his face is like, it's tough. It's yeah. tough, you know, and I turned away and we all kind of just, yeah, you don't scattered, you know, because we didn't we didn't want to be the ones to have our facial expressions tell the story to him. Right. So we just go over, you know, everyone fist bumps and everything. And he finds out he's in a playoff. It's three for one. They play one hole. They lose a guy, not him. They play three more holes. Rick birdies the fourth hole. He gets in. He's the fifth guy. Goes to Torrey Pines. Rick Lamb. For 12 hours, I spent the day with you on Monday, and I was completely entertained. Wow, right? that's a great story. He was the wow, gladiator, and I was completely entertained. Kudos to you, man. You, my audience, myself, we will be locked in next week at Torrey Pines following you. Congratulations. The The longest day in golf is a tremendous, tremendous tradition, everyone. I, I can't encourage you more to follow it along next year, that first Monday in June. And uh, that was my experience, Wade Weezer. 
It was it was just an awesome opportunity to spend the time with Will to coach him, but also to just be a part of something, a tradition in golf that is just unlike any other. So kudos to the USGA, to the Georgia State Golf Association, and to the other nine sites that happened that Monday. Just a fantastic, fantastic story. You know what else is a fantastic story? Week in and week out, and that is our sponsors, the New Jersey Golf Foundation. As golf has become a therapeutic part of the rehabilitation process for military veterans living with physical and cognitive challenges, the New Jersey Golf Foundation is all in offering golf programming specifically for veterans through PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere. Our veterans enjoy camaraderie on the golf course alongside fellow veterans while learning the game of golf from PGA professionals. For information on weekly PGA Hope programs at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club, Forsgate Country Club, and Galloping Hill Golf Course, visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Well, 3.15 p.m. here in New York. We have got to get to our guest this week because this guy is a live wire and I can't wait. So thanks for listening, everybody, to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment with our Renaissance man, Tucker Booth. Mike Greenberg. Greenberg. One of the great players in the history of his sport has said he doesn't like the game anymore. That player is Gary Sheffield. There's no axe to grind here, right? Like he's not, he's not someone like Jose Canseco to take it to the right. ultimate extreme. But in him coming out and saying that, when you got a guy who's like a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player saying, I hate the sport now, that's a pretty harsh thing to say. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And watch exclusively on ESPN+. Join the thousands of golfers who already call Stick and Hack their home for the best golf stories, original podcasts, special events, member perks, and an active community of golfers across North America. Up until now, the golf media landscape lived somewhere between straight PGA coverage or idiots wrecking golf carts. We take a different approach by celebrating all sides of golf, life, and all the ways this amazing game connects sticks and hacks every day. Your free membership entitles you to discounts from major brands all over the country while connecting you with like-minded golfers for discussion, tips, or even a round of golf. So head to stickandhack.com and enjoy the world's greatest golf club without the course. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and you're listening to ESPN 920 on a fantastic Friday. Early one morning, the sun was shining. I was laying in bed. Wondering if she'd change it all if her hair was still red. Tucker Booth is a writer, a rapper, a producer, and a golfer. He's the essence of the moment where pop culture meets this great game. A tremendous follow on Twitter and a podcast host. He's coming to us from the West Coast to help preview the U.S. Open and more. Let's see what we get tangled up in this afternoon. Tucker Booth, good afternoon, my friend. This is the Pro Show. Welcome. How are you today? Great, you guys. What's up, Keith? Nice to be here. Love hearing some Bob Dylan here in Redondo Beach, California. Love it. Well, you know what? We definitely want to have you here to give us just a little bit of preview, um, because let's just start there. I mean, you're out there on the left coast. You have a big week coming in Southern California. How are you planning to take on Torrey Pines next week? 
Good question. First, my parents lived down in Pacific Beach in San Diego nearby, probably about a 10-minute drive from Torrey. So my plan was to go post up at mom and dad's place and then head over and try and take in the festivities on Sunday for the final day. On Saturday, I'm going to be hanging with Matt Janella and Alan Shipnuck for the Fire Pit Collective's uh, moving day party that they're having at Dogleg Brewing Company in Vista, California. So I'll be hanging out with those guys and their friends, but pretty much just spending the weekend in and around SD and then Sunday watching somebody hoist that trophy up at Torrey. It's very cool. I mean, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I definitely had to have you on today, amongst others that we will certainly get into. But I, I love a good perspective for somebody who's going to be in the area. And how, how much are you looking forward to the 121st U.S. Open at Torrey? It's been 13 years. It's exciting. And everybody that lives down there, not just my folks, I've got in-laws, cousins, everybody's all around there. This is an exciting week for the city. And San Diego is having a lot of sports success this year. The Padres are doing well. Everybody's finally kind of getting out of quarantine and going back to the games. I, I feel like the whole city is going to be pumped about this. And yeah, U.S. Open major, it's the most exciting golf tournaments of the year whenever it's these open. So yeah, I'm, I'm very enthused. I got to go cover the farmers uh, the year before the shutdown when, when Kobe passed. I was there covering that for a website I no longer write with, but Love Tory, love the people there, love seeing my friends in golf media. I feel like that's as much fun for me as, as anything as seeing all my friends from Golf Channel and, and so forth. It's just a great weekend, and you know, just what an amazing venue for a U.S. Open. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I, I like the way you put that. It's kind of a coming-out party for California. Uh, certainly some of those professional teams are playing well, but the fact that there will be fans there and a major championship, and you all are just coming out of a lot of COVID restrictions, it's going to be a really, really cool time. And speaking of a cool time, folks, if you're just joining us, we have Tucker Booth on the line. He is an entertainment professional he is a musician he's a rapper he's also a podcast host he hosts the podcast called rappers don't golf and we'll get into that more in a minute but speaking of golf tucker how'd you get involved in the game very very good question what i like to tell people is that when i was a kid we lived right by a great public golf course in portland oregon uh, the east moreland golf course west moreland golf course and my father said Hey, Tucker, do you want to get some golf lessons? And little Tucker says, Dad, why would I want to play that fat old man sport? My dad's shoulders kind of slump and he walks away. Then I get to be older and fatter, and uh, I wanted to pick up a golf club and realized that picking one up at 30 was nowhere near as easy as it would have been picking it up at 10. I go to my dad and I go, God, this game is just torturous. What's going on? And he goes, what's going on is you didn't pick it up 20 years ago, dummy. So uh, way to go. <laughs> uh, anyways, how did I get into it? Uh, Tiger Woods, just like everybody else, man. I am the right age. I'm 42. Tiger Woods and I are close in age. I grew up watching him on television. He made golf as exciting as Michael Jordan made the NBA to me. It just was just so exciting to watch him play. It made it look so athletic. It made it look so not like what my dad and his salesman friends were doing out on the golf course in Portland. And that made me want to go out and try and hit balls the way he did. And I've realized now after 15 years that that will absolutely never happen. I tell you, you know, so much of this goes back to Tiger. You know, I, I do this show week in and week out and I have these fantastic guests on like you that cover all walks of life. And so many people have been impacted by Tiger over the years. And of course, we're going back to a spot where he won the U.S. Open on a broken leg. It, it's just crazy. And 
you know, one of the things that attracted to me to you on Twitter is that you have a really cool perspective on telling golf stories. And it kind of makes me start to think of things in a real macro view. And it's like, why are golf stories versus some of the other sports so fascinating? Why are they so fascinating to you, Tucker? Great, great question. What I love about golf specifically is how completely metaphoric a game it is in regard to life. I see so many life lessons everywhere on a golf course, and I'm sure any athlete in any sport can find those similar metaphors. But golf is just completely the game of life to me. That's kind of what I call it to anyone else. It's the game of life. It Really, it's all about your swing, which is your individual swing. I feel like Bagger Vance here, but it's your swing. No one else can do it the way you do it. And every time that you swing, you're probably going to get into trouble. Most likely, even the best. And when you get into trouble, how you react to that emotionally, mentally, creatively is the difference between whether or not you continue to get worse or whether you save yourself and can get some momentum going in the right direction. That is life in a nutshell, folks, for me. And life is very hard and it's never an easy look. It's always an intimidating look from the tee box. And it's all about how brave you are and how much guts you've got to go ahead and rip it anyway. And I think that's what I'm trying to do with golf and with life is be brave and then be resilient and mentally tough every time that I fall apart. I am totally locked in this afternoon because you are already using the words that I love to love to use that no one loves to use. You know, when you hear them at cocktail parties, people shy away. And that's words like bravery or love or passion or emotion. You know, I mean, you you are just totally locked in um, this afternoon. And I and I love that. So what I want to do, I, I want to kind of dig in there for a second. You just like kind of spurred something on in my brain. I want to have a little fun here because you talk about it being completely metaphoric. So I'm going to give you a couple storylines from last weekend. And I want you to tell me you know, what's your reaction is to each of these. And, uh, you know, basically as you compare things like you do so well on Twitter to real life. So let's start with John Rahm at the Memorial, right? How about COVID hits the PGA tour front and center and they are in totally uncharted waters and they have to handle it. What was your reaction to the John Rahm story? Boy, I, this is kind of a duh statement, but bad look all around. I feel bad for all of them. I'm not saying that to be critical per se, but it sure feels like egg on the face for everybody involved in that situation. I feel for the PGA because obviously that's a tough spot to be in about how do you handle that when someone that's a star and a top earner like Rom tests positive. And of course they get criticized for how they broke the news to him when he was walking off the course in front of everyone. But again, if they don't break the news to him that way, then he could potentially expose people inside the clubhouse and the locker room and so forth. So that's a tough spot, but it doesn't make him look great. Rom doesn't look great because obviously people are critical of whether or not he's been vaccinated or not. Although we don't even really know that that's, that's never come out, but a lot of people are assuming he's not, so that, that causes a lot of people's upset about, about him not being vaccinated. And of course, uh, you know, the fans are robbed of uh, watching him probably win that tournament on Sunday. And so it makes everyone, including the eventual winner, Cantley, feel like this is not necessarily a, a real win. It feels kind of hollow to most people or an asterisk on this win for Cantley. All of that just seems like a bad look for the PGA. I don't really know how to solve this problem because, like you said, uncharted waters right now with COVID and all of the safety precautions that must be taken as a result. 
but I sure know that the PGA is in full-on damage control mode this week trying to figure out how to avoid anything like this in the future. You know, you talk about good luck versus bad luck. So Brooks Bryson continue to battle. But now this week, you know, Bryson's out playing and Brooks fans are screaming at him. And then Brooks goes on social media and says, hey, if you do it some more, I'll give you free beer. Right. Do you, do you think that we're starting to cross the line here where fans might be yelling at Bryson while he's competing for his career? It's so tough for me because I am a 12 time freestyle rap battle champion. So I love a good battle. I love a good war of words. I love all of it personally. And I do find it entertaining as a peanut gallery doofus when I watch all these ridiculous battles in sports. However, is it good for the game? Maybe. Uh, Brooks makes the point about how it's getting more eyeballs on it, albeit it's for jackass reasons instead of great ones. But, yeah, I mean, I can see how it has the potential to, you know, put more eyeballs on the game. But are they the ones we want? And it goes to almost to the Happy Gilmore effect or something. Do we want people out there for the clown show, or do we want them out there to appreciate great golf? I guess I don't know the answer, but I would say my gut instinct is not a great look for anyone in this situation. I feel like Brooks and Bryson both kind of have the rep of being kind of jerky guys anyway. I don't see how this makes that go away for either of them. And if they don't really care about that or about the potential impact it may have, say, on like kid fans that are that are looking up to them and idolizing them, then I do think that they're narcissists because the real point is golf has that in the rules, Keith. It's, it's supposed to be a gentleman's or, ge- or a, a lady's sport. This is supposed to be about good manners and treating one another with respect. So I don't think it fits into what I would call the, the, you know, the orthodox rules of golf. They're pros. They can make their own rules. The PGA will regulate them as such. But I guess personally speaking, I think it's not the greatest look for them. You know, at first it was a lot of fun, but if it gets past fun, I'm with you there in lockstep, you know, 100%. It's just, if it becomes a distraction to the game and the great play, and if it becomes a just, I mean, next week we have a huge opportunity with this U.S. Open, and those two are going to be back on the property together. If it becomes a distraction at that, then I'm with you. I I don't need much more of it than the original eye roll and uh, everyone poking a little bit of fun at it. That's for sure. Folks, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Tucker Booth, and he is a new age storyteller in the game of golf. And that's where I want to go next here, Tucker. I want to talk about the fact, and you mentioned a couple guys earlier, like Matt Janella and Alan Shipnuck, and you've got all sorts of new storytellers in the game, which I consider you to be one of, right? Um, Where do you feel like golf media and storytelling is going, and where do you see it going in the next three to five years? With golf media, we've reached this new age where the bar stools have become just as impactful as the old school journalists. And I love old school journalism. So by no means am I trying to say that the bar stools are the only way to go, but I do appreciate that it does bring a younger, hipper audience to golf. And also that it doesn't need to be these long reads that us old guys love to read uh, for people to start getting uh, in touch with the content. So I appreciate it. Uh, where is it going in the next three to five years? I think it's going to go way more to just video. I think everything is, obviously, right? It's going to be a lot of video content and very little writing. Us guys that write these (laughs) 60-page profiles are going to be true dinosaurs in the game. 
but I still think there is a place for that. And I love doing that kind of writing. And personally, for myself, in the next three to five years, I'm going to be finishing a couple of books, including ones about folks in the golf world. And I'm going to be working very hard on a, a profile that I'm already pitching that is a real deep dive that I know people are going to be interested in about civil rights, the masters, Bobby Jones, and people getting robbed of their shot. This is going to be a big one, guys. There's a lot of stuff coming out soon. So what I'd say is there's a lot of stuff coming soon, but I think what's cool about the new media is in the old days, you had to be real careful about what you said and wrote because the golf world was so stuffy and so insular that if you said anything critical or even if they took it as critical, even if you didn't mean it, you could get all your credentials revoked and never be welcome back. Obviously now because of social media and people like Barstool, we've created our own access and we don't need permission to write some of this stuff that never would have come out before. Well, you know what? I really appreciate the access we have to you this afternoon. And that was just a start, folks, of what we're going to get into. But at this moment, I got to take a quick break. So up next, more with golf's rap battle king, self-professed there, Tucker Booth. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Keyshawn Johnson. Any quarterback that play underneath him is going to look crazy, and especially if they got any skill set. Jay Williams. I'm just tired of talking about what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't do. I want to start talking about what Brett Brown needs to make them do. It's time to go to work, Brett. And Subin Mahente. I can promise you, I am as passionate about sports as you are. It is time to go to work. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Subin. Weekday morning, starting at 6 on the new 920 ESPN. Today's interview is brought to you by our friends at Beedratty. Beedratty is known for their irrationally comfortable Peruvian Pima cotton polos. But did you know they've branched into new categories? You must try like boxers, layers, button downs, and even performance fabrics with their Dratty Sport. The theme with all of their products is meticulous attention to detail. Details most companies choose to overlook. Be Dratty thoughtfully considers like our favorite Russell quarter zip where the front pouch is sewn into the garment and not topped on, allowing for a slimmer, less bulky fit. Shop the entire Be Dratty line at BeDratty.com and receive 25% off with our exclusive discount code KJS25. You got a great voice it's for radio. Time though. to get back on course. Face for radio. I, I get a lot of that too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the pro show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Tucker Booth. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. The weekend is here, Wade, and I appreciate the rock and roll to get the mood shifted to the shore, the lake, or just anywhere away from the battle with Brood X. So if you're driving with us, drop the window, pop the volume. You know it's been an unbelievable week in golf, so stick around for the weekly update. Now it's the back nine with Tucker. How about a little more music to bring back Mr. Booth? Tucker, this is how we roll on a Friday afternoon here in New York City on the Pro Show. How's it going? Amps, I love it, man. You're playing all my favorite jam. Well, you know what? We 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 do a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes work on our guests just to make them a little more comfortable. Tends to have them open up, and we have these really fun pop culture golf conversations. And let's get back into that because, you know, I've been talking about you all show in the opening and then just that first nine of our conversation. 
you are a musician, you're a writer, you're a rapper, right? I love your skill set. You're like a renaissance man in golf, right? How can you help the game grow and evolve? Because we have like 50 million more rounds in 2020. There's a lot of new people in the game. You know, in a dream case scenario, where can Tucker Golf, uh, Tucker Booth take the game of golf? It's, it's one of the things I often think about because as an influencer, and I have been called one, whenever I hang with people, they always go, what are you up to lately, Tuck? What's been going on? And over this last 15 years, the answer has been obsessing over golf, learning to play. My son, Max, is 11. He was born right when I was just getting into it. So he instantly became much better than me. And now at 11 is a really good little golfer. So I'm obsessed with being there for him, being his caddy, helping him grow. He's interested in in pursuing a scholarship potentially someday. But how do I help grow the game is I tell everybody I know that I'm in love with it and invite them to come out and play with me. And of course, when you're as bad a golfer as me, everybody can feel good about themselves being in my group. So we all go out. It's all about just real basic encouragement and, you know, and getting any kind of a sense of feel for the game. And then as far as the writing and and all the music goes, obviously the rock and roll and rap worlds are not necessarily at odds with golf. A lot of rock stars and rappers are really into golf. But what I find is that those worlds feel like the golf community still stereotypically is a bunch of rich out of touch folks. So I think what I'm trying to be is a representative for the blue collar golfer and for the rock and roll and hip hop golfer and the, the rappers don't golf podcast that you mentioned that name, everybody always goes, why did you name, name it that cryptic name? Rappers don't golf. It's because all the rapper guys I used to know would haze me on Twitter going, why are you always posting about all this golf crap? Like, who cares about golf? Rappers don't golf. And I'm like, oh, no, we do. There's plenty of us that do. In fact, we may be more obsessed with it than rap. But the point is we're trying to grow the game in that way, make it feel like it is for everyone, not just for rich folks, you know, and, and that also um, that it's cool and that it's hip to, to be a golfer. Well, you know, you're going exactly where I wanted to this afternoon with this conversation and where we started right before the break, where we're talking about new age storytellers and we're talking about the bar stools of the world and the Tucker booths of the world and how you are bringing in a new audience. And we're finding that that audience was already kind of in golf. But now they have a voice. And I think that's super important because the rest of the world tends to collaborate. Right. Whether it's Kanye with Adidas or it's, you know, whomever it may be, you know, we have athletes and designers and we we have corporations working with other corporations. But in golf, everything, everyone kind of tends to stay in their lane. Right. And you have such a collaborator's mindset. So, you know, I would love to see, like, if you were a CEO of a company, right, what would you try to bring together in order to, to help grow this golf world and to connect it with people outside of its industry i think the best way is kind of what the golf world is starting to do anyway find ways into communities where they absolutely would not have access to golf and in those communities use representatives that they already know and love how many pro athletes love golf look at the nfl or nba or whatnot these folks are always playing in the pro-am tournaments 
if these NFL folks who are so charitable and love to go into their communities and bless them would be willing to go and represent golf in their communities, like we'll take Aaron Rodgers or something, for example, right? He's a big golfer guy. He loves it. If Aaron Rodgers would go into communities where they had no money or access to golf and help them do that, they would all want to do that just because they love Aaron Rodgers. Um, and ditto rappers. I mean, gosh, if Drake or Kanye or, you know, whoever, J. Cole or any of these guys, if they all got really big about saying, I love this game and I really want to grow it in uh, minority communities or in, in low-income communities, it absolutely would have a ripple effect as far as making people more interested. You know, you're, you're spot on there. And, and I go back to the example of the LPGA hoodie. So that broke because a Golden State Warrior guard was wearing that on the tarmac going to travel with his team and it hit social media. And next thing you know, that hoodie was viral. And, you know, that did amazing things for the LPGA and increasing their popularity with pop culture and other sports. Uh, You know, you were at the Women's U.S. Open last week up at Olympic. Right. What was the vibe like up there? Because the USGA kind of gets it when it comes to equity in sports and promoting the women's, you know, just women's sports in general through the game of golf. So what did it feel like to be up there? Such an epic weekend. And now I've got to start by giving thanks to the people that made it possible. All praises due to my friend Sarah Kemp and my friend Lisa Cornwell. Without those two women, I would not have been there and had the time that I had. It was so much fun. Sarah was in the U.S. Women's Open and is a friend, and she got me in on a guest pass. I've never been on a full guest pass from a player before. i got to tell you, it is so much fun to have that kind of access. Had great time following her around and the other women. And you're right, the USGA did a phenomenal job with setting up that beautiful course at Olympic. But then also you could really see how much they are out there promoting and growing the women's brand. And I had this conversation with a number of players, caddies, uh, parents of the players, grandparents, people I was following around. Everybody feels like this is a moment. It's a critical mass moment for the LPGA and for women's golf, where finally everybody is truly trying to help. Uh, You you mentioned the hoodie, and and so many of the PGA folks are now working diligently to raise more awareness for the LPGA. What did I see? I saw amazing women who are absolutely comparable to the men in so many ways. I know people want to act like women can't do it the same way the men can. Besides a little bit of distance off the tee, I just don't see it. I don't see it. And these women are hitting it 300. So again, it's not like they're hitting it way less than the guys. I see a game that's absolutely comparable, that has great stars that are fun to watch and that are very personable and not full of themselves or or divas per se. And I, I will give the USGA a lot of credit. I think it was a very, very impressive event. Well, I don't know about you, Tucker, but I watch sports for the drama, for the human interest stories and to see how things are going to, you know, I mean, it's, it's, truly reality TV, right? And I love rivalries. I love all of those things. And if you look at the women's open and, you know, I being a golf professional for such a long time, you know, I, I get the whole one person hits it further than another, but the guys hit it. One person hits it further than another, but it's the drama that unfolds. And you can't tell me that what happened to Lexi Thompson or a 19 year old winner and a 17 year old low amateur isn't a great human interest story. And is it totally compelling on that on that historic venue? 
I mean, it to me it was just unbelievable. And and I'm I'm so happy you could come on today and tell us a little bit about your experience there. Now, I want to raise some more awareness for you, my man Tucker Booth, out there on the left coast. So, social media handles. Why don't you give them to my audience? Yeah, the best way to follow me is on Twitter. It's Tucker Dale Booth. Uh, Tucker and then D A L E. Tucker Dale B O O T H on Twitter. I'm not on any of the other networks anymore. One social network man now. But if you want to follow me there, the, the hashtags, if you're on there, are Rappers Don't Golf and Mitchell Reports Unleashed. That is the network. Shout out to my buddy Rory Mitchell, who is my producer and who also has his own podcast on Mitchell Report Unleashed as well. Please go give us a follow. We're on all the networks that you can find us on. Rappers Don't Golf, Mitchell Report Unleashed. There you have it, folks. That is a, a my man Tucker Booth in a nutshell. But before you go, we have a little tradition here on the pro show besides the fun music. And that is a little rapid fire Q&A. And I can tell by your personality that you're up for this. But uh, love it. what do you think? You ready to go? I'm, I'm ready, buddy. All right. Here we go. Ooh, a little music. Hmm. I know this song. Yeah, I bet you do. Could you beat Eminem in a rap battle? Absolutely. On a scale of 1 to 10, rate your cooking ability. Two. Ooh. Not going out to dinner at your house. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Would you rather never have another paper cut or never get chapped lips? Paper cut. If you could be a character in any movie, what character and movie would you choose? Uh, Matt Damon, Bagger Vance. Last song you downloaded? My own. Uh, it was probably this one you're playing in the background, uh, uh, Neon Stern. Who will win the U.S. Open next week? I got to say I like Bryson DeChambeau. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I do think Bryson has a good shot. The defending champion. All right, we'll see how many Brooksies they yell. All right, most used app on your phone? Twitter, by a mile. If you passed away, what spirit animal would you come back to us as? I want to come back as a duck. I, I love ducks so much. In fact, I even have my own duck call. <laughs> All right. Who would you most like to make a song with? Bob Dylan and Beck, and we'll just let's put them together. We'll just call it Beck Dylan. We'll make a song with both of them, make a hybrid out of them. One more. Outside of your family, who inspires you, Tucker Booth? Wow. I am inspired by many, many folks, but I'll just go ahead and give it real and say, JC, Lord and Savior, bless up. All right. Well, this afternoon, I know my audience is inspired by you. I can't thank you for the time. Appreciate the conversation and all you do to keep it real in the game of golf. Thank you, Tucker Booth. Hey, Keith, it's been a real pleasure. Always enjoy connecting with you, bud. Thank you so much for having me on. Have a great one, you guys. And there you have it, Wade Weezer. Now you understand why I love bringing these people on. I mean, what a breath of fresh air in golf that guy was, huh? I don't think you should have explained uh, the name of, <laughs> of his podcast. Rappers don't play golf. <laughs> Just let let people think about it for a while. Let it permeate the air. It's let great. it breathe, right? Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of letting it breathe, you know what? Today's interview was brought to you by B-Dratty. Let me tell you about my favorite B-Dratty item. You know it. It's that Dewey T. I'm going to bring it up again because next week is the U.S. Open, and they did a collab with my buddy Lee Wabransky on the artwork on this T-shirt. 
So you got to get to bdratty.com with the code KJS25, which is exclusive to my listeners, and you'll get 25% off that T-shirt and just so much more. I live in this stuff, and you will too. Here we go. Yes, I know, I know. You're giving me the high sign. We're fast approaching 4 p.m. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We're coming back to wrap up today's show with the weekly update. One of the great players in the history of his sport has said he doesn't like the game anymore. That player is Gary Sheffield. There's no axe to grind here, right? Like he's not, he's not someone like Jose Canseco to take it to the ultimate extreme. But in him coming out and saying that, when you got a guy who's like a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player saying, I hate the sport now, that's a pretty harsh thing to say. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And watch exclusively on ESPN+. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as, that's right, the director of fun. You're listening to ESPN 920. You know, each show can be downloaded once it's posted tonight. You can find them at the archive on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, all those spots. You know, Tucker's on Twitter. He mentioned that a couple times, and so are we. You can follow me at, at KJStewartDOF. We get on there. We talk about all sorts of things, the things that I write, stick and hack, everything. Check it out. And, of course, maybe you're in San Diego next week, and you want to check out the show, 920ESPNNewJersey.com. You can stream us anywhere globally. Go. this afternoon once again there mr wade weezer always impressing the guests thank you with, with your acumen there on and the computer rugged on, and good looks too but i can't see that yes yes you and i both have a face for radio there's no doubt about that it's fair that's fair yes it is more than fair more than fair <laughs> you know if you want to make it unfair for your opponents on the golf course well you know what first we change the shape of the driver now we're changing the way they're constructed. The all-new Sim 2 driver was built differently around a forged aluminum ring. It's TaylorMade's longest and most forgiving driver ever. Played by the best tour pros, and you'll see them next week at Torrey Pines. That's DJ, Rory, Colin Morikawa, Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Wolf, all of them just to name a few. It gives every golfer the confidence to swing away every time they step up to the tee. Experience the drives you all want to hit and no golfer wants to follow. Learn more about Sim2 drivers and to find a fitting near you, head to tailormade.com. John, we have a problem. Back in Dublin, Ohio, well, Jack Nicholas had to chime in on this one. In six decades in the game, Jack couldn't believe the scene after the 54 holes were completed there at Muirfield Village. That's right. John Rahm had been involved in contact tracing after being in close proximity with a person who had COVID-19 a week earlier. And under the circuit's protocols, he was allowed to remain in the tournament, but he had to test after each round following the completion of the weather-delayed second round. He tested positive. They tested him again. He tested positive. Nicholas spoke with Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, and they had to pull the plug. Monahan said that John has handled it really well 
and he was very thankful for that and proud of him. Nicholas says he understands we have the rules, and unfortunately the rules are not something that you may you know, have to want to enforce at times, but you have to abide by them, right? And he goes, I don't know how we send a trophy for three quarters of the tournament, but I would certainly like to do so, said Jack. Well, you just can't do it. You know, it was a surreal scene around the 18th green late Saturday as Rom's emotional reaction stood out to the television audience, to Jim Nance and Nick Faldo and everyone. So like Jack, I give John Rom all the credit in the world for how he handled the situation. That being said, he and the rest of the PGA Tour should probably go get vaccinated. You know what the moral is? What's that? Did somebody say free beer? Ooh. Golf Channel's Rex Hoggard. Well, fans were at it again on Friday there at the Memorial. They were yelling Brooksy at our friend Bryson DeChambeau. Well, those people yelling Brooksy at DeChambeau on Friday were asked to leave the premises. I can see that. Which prompted Brooks Kepka to jump on social media mm-hmm. and do a Michelob ad saying that, you know what, if your time was cut short on Friday for yelling Brooksy, I appreciate all the support, but, you know, I'm actually not at the tournament this week, but I appreciate the support. Feel free to keep yelling Brooksy. And if your time gets cut short, you can uh, direct message Michelob, and we have 50 cases of beer waiting hmm. for people that are already drinking 50 cases of beer, right? Because right? they're yelling at Bryson right. DeChambeau. Now, DeChambeau said, you know, this whole feud is great and everything, but, you know, I don't know about this. We'll let I'm going to take the high road. We'll let the PGA Tour handle it and everything. You know, I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind there's more on this to come for sure as they both convene on Torrey Pines next week at the U.S. Open. Now, in a related story, uh, you were telling me earlier during the break that you uh, you now drink Michelob Ultra. Yeah, I did. Okay. I just told you that. Somebody call 17 Magazine. All right, out there in San Francisco, the Olympic Lakes course, which is known as the Graveyard of Champions, now the 54-hole leader, in all six U.S. Opens, has not made it to win. Right? Okay. They are 0 for 6, all for of them. 6. And now Lexi Thompson has joined the list with the likes of Arnold Palmer, Tom Watson, Ben Hogan, and others. Right? She had a five-shot lead with 10 to play, and it, it just didn't work out. But Yuka Sasso, the 19-year-old from the Philippines, she buried an 8-foot birdie putt on the third playoff hole. And she not only became the first player from the Philippines, male or female, to win a major, but she tied by the day with NB Park for the youngest winner of the Women's U.S. Open at 19 years, 11 months, and seven days. To the day. <laughs> That's How crazy strange. is that? But not only that, right? Alongside the 19-year-old Sasso, Mega Ghani, who we spoke about last week from Homedale, New Jersey, took the entire tournament by storm, earning low amateur honors, and she's a 17-year-old junior in high school. Two amazing stories from a world-class event to Craig Annis, who we spoke to last week in the USGA. But 17 Magazine could have a comeback if they start covering the, the women's US Open or the, the LPGA. Agreed. No doubt about that. What will Phil tweet next? All right, so, Wade, we're already aware of the famous follow-up to the tweet in the Brooks-Bryson battle. And then there was Amy's birthday last week, which is his wife, where he posted a video of himself drinking his favorite wine from the Wanamaker, stating that something about the trophy just makes the wine taste better. Then he posted a video of himself driving in a golf cart with the Wanamaker, riding shotgun, and he just said, today's friendly reminder that I won the PGA. All right, but he takes another step further. On the longest day in golf on Monday, uh, Sarah Bean Smith, at Sarah Bean Smith, she tweeted out, at U.S. Open Golf, I hear there's an exemption. Ahem. Uh, Phil Mickelson is up for grabs. I vote at Ricky Fowler. 
Fowler always has those fans, right? So Phil jumps in, because as he loves to do, and he says, I hereby designate my, parentheses, no longer necessary exemption to Ricky, because Phil had had an exemption, and, and he wants to give it to Ricky. Great stuff. Now, here, this one's my favorite here. NBC7 San Diego. Now, this is a real tweet that they put out. Whoa, okay. something just shook San Diego, and no one really knows what it is. Got any ideas? So that's what they sent out to the population of San Diego. Well, you know, they sent out to the Twitter world, right? And, yes. you know, they were probably curious. Maybe it was a, a tremor. Who knows what it sure. was, right? So Phil jumps in, who's a San Diego native down there, and he writes back, my bad. I was testing a few drivers. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> who, who knows if this will get old? But, you know, but for right now, it, it is must-see social media. So congrats to Phil, again, for winning at 50 and for keeping us all entertained. Mixing it up in Sweden. Yes, they are. All right. The 2021 Scandinavian mixed format is unique on the European tour and ladies European tour, bringing male and female professional golfers together in a single tournament. The Scandinavian mixed field is 156 players. That's 78 from the Euro tour, 78 from the ladies European tour. First time they've ever done this. It's a 72 hole event. And for the first two rounds, the players will go off on threesomes, some with two men, one ladies, or vice versa, right? Mm. The men will play from their set of tees. The women play from their set of tees. Following the first two rounds, they'll cut down to the top 65 players. It'll be run just like a normal European tour event, whether it's ladies or men's. Um, the tournament winner will be the player with the lowest score, male or female. Doesn't matter after four rounds. Well, after two rounds, your leader is Caroline Hedwall, who is 13 under and shot 67-64. She's the first woman to have a 36-hole lead, which... I'm pretty sure she, frankly, she's the first woman to have the lead right. at, at the end of any round. That's for sure. I think this is an awesome idea. I'm bringing it to everyone's attention because the European tour has always been a testing ground for innovation, not only in their content, but in the, the types of formats and the things they do surrounding their tour events. Um, they're making it work and the golf world is on notice. So I can't wait till we bring this format to the PGA tour and the LPGA tour. All right. One more. Just break it and I'll pay for it. Well, it's been a busy week for our man, Ryan French. That's the Monday Q school guy. Of course, golf's longest day is like his Christmas. That's like his birthday. It's his super holiday, right? So, you know, he was down covering the PGA Latin America tour in Weston, Florida. So he tweets out on Thursday, uh, some early morning drama. The first alternate, Alex Scott, has locked his clubs and his keys in the car accidentally. Hold for updates. <laughs> so he's at he's at this sub tour, right? Minor league tour. And he is following this guy's story. He's the first alternate, and he's waiting to get the to get the call to get into the event. He right. doesn't know if he's going to get in or not. And he's locked his clubs in his car with the keys. Great, you know. So he tweets this out, and at AJ Conniff writes back, "Hey, you know Monday Q School. I was an alternate for the Michigan AM in 2019. Alex Scott decided to turn pro and forego the AM, and that was how I got in the field. Break the window and send me the bill. I'm serious." <laughs> That's right? Great. I mean, that's just an amazing response. Attention to those new to golf. This game is all about people and friendships. We're all in this together. And I'm pretty sure that just sums up today's entire show in one great story. That's your pro show update for the week ending June 11th, 2021. Big thanks to our sponsors, New Jersey Golf Foundation, Summit Golf Brands, and TaylorMade Golf. Why do I put TaylorMade Golf last? Because next week on the pro show, live from San Diego, the national headquarters, the global headquarters for TaylorMade, David Abeles, their president and CEO. He is our guest on the pro show. 
reporting from the 121st U.S. Open. So cool. You know what else is cool? That's my man Wade Weezer on the board and, of course, all of my listeners. Now, before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about networking. Building a successful network isn't about how many people you know, you meet. It's about how many of them you remember. Always follow up an encounter with a note or a phone call. That's how you start positive relationships. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the T next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.